Kings 4, verse 18 to 35. 2 Kings 4, verse 18 to 35. If you don't know where, it's going to come up on the screen. It's a lot of Bible, but I figure, hey, we're kind of at church. So if any place, this place is welcome. It says, when the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. And he said to his father, oh, my head, my head. The father said to his servant, carry him to his mother. Mm-mm-mm. Such a dude. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon, and then he died. Verse 21, and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Another version said she went to the upper room. Then she called to her husband and said, send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may go quickly to the man of God and come back again. And he said, why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. Clearly, she didn't tell him what happened. She said, all is well. Then she saddled the donkey and she said to her servant, urge the animal on. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her coming, God always sees. When the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, look, there's the Shunammite. One at once to meet her and say to her, it's all well with you. I think that's a question for people today. Not for me, from the Lord. It's all well with you. It's all well with your husband. It's all well with the child. And she answered, all is well. Can we say that? And when she came to the mountain of the man of God, she caught hold of his feet. And Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone, for she is in bitter distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, did I ask, my Lord? Did I ask for a son? Did I not say, do not deceive me? We pick it up in verse 32. When Elisha came into the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. Word of God. Such a powerful story, isn't it? We're going to unpack it today. It's going to be so good. I prophetically declare it. You're going to get something from it today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for coming, God. Not necessarily to Mount Carmel, but we're still coming to the mountain of God. Saying that we need a word and season, God. So many of us are weary. Some of us, it is mountaintop times in our lives. Other of us, it's, it's valley times. And it's confusing times. But we say it as well. We say all is well because we know that you are in control. God, so that your people have come to hear not from me, but they've come to hear from you. So give us ears to hear today, Lord. Give us a heart to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Again, we've been in a series titled, um, Not That Spiritual. Has it blessed anybody? Did anyone think that they were a lot more spiritual before the series started? Kind of sobering. I'm one of those. And if you missed any part of that, you can check it out on YouTube. It's going to bless the socks off of you. 
I really mean that. Um, but so uh, we're part of an association of um, related churches that they, we do um, a lot of community-type things amongst pastors just so we can recreate, so we can build bonds and all that stuff. And recently, or a while ago actually, we, um, they went hunting. And someone asked me, said, Zai, how do you feel about them hunting? Because everyone knows that I'm a sap. <laughs> I, I'm very tenderhearted. I want everything to be happy, killing all that stuff I don't really like. That's not my speed necessarily. So they came and they said, how do you feel about that? And I guess my answer shocked them. And I said, I don't feel any type of way. I mean, don't hunt endangered animals or anything like that, but let loose, have fun, pew, pew. And if you see Bambi's cousin, get him from me. Let me tell you, I don't hold unforgiveness in my heart. I'm a pretty forgiving person. But I have never gotten over the fact from when Bambi and her cousin tried to jump me. It was November some years ago, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. I was minding my business. I was coming back from a friend's house. Her mom had just, like, just cooked, just cooked. Shout out to Mama Brown. I love you. And so her mom had just cooked, and I had leftovers. Have you ever just been grateful? Like, not just full, but grateful. Like, you just ate, and you were just happy, and feeling the itis a little bit, and then you looked to the side, and there was more. And you were just excited about the leftovers. You were full. But you were just excited about the leftovers. I was just happy, minding my business, driving home. And all of a sudden, bam, screech, like all types of sound effects, this deer and her cousin comes out of nowhere. So you have pieces of my bumper everywhere. Fur everywhere. And you know what else? My leftovers. <laughs> I'm not sure if I was more upset about my <laughs> car or my leftovers everywhere. So someone's asking me, do I feel some type of way about hunting? No, I don't. I hate deer. Matter of fact, I'm about to go to Pinterest to find out how to make deer stew. Like, I cannot stand deer. Why? Because they come out of nowhere. You could be minding your business, driving the speed limit, and boom, screech. I mean, they come out of nowhere, and they wreck everything. Have you ever been hit by maybe not a deer, by something else unexpected? It like jumps out at you, and you're not wondering, where did this come from? And it wrecks, maybe not your car, but something else that's very valuable. Life is full of moments that just take our breaths away. And not in the take our breaths away, but in the you, have, you can't even breathe anymore. It's a simple stomach ache, now all of a sudden you're talking about major surgery. It's a text message sent to the wrong person, now all of a sudden you're talking about filing for divorce. It's an email that says that the grant is no longer possible. That means, wait a minute, school is no longer available. All of a sudden, like, where did this come from? I didn't see this coming. You know, all you prophets that said 2020 was going to be the year of clarity. You're going to see things you've never seen before. You need Ms. Cleto to take back to school because none of us saw COVID-19 happening. Even if we are up with the news, none of us saw it affecting us like it has, right? And it's just like, where is this coming from? Let me tell you, just because it caught you by surprise doesn't mean it caught God off guard. He still has a plan. He still has a purpose for our lives. You know, the boy that had just died was the only son of um, a wealthy woman. The Bible said that she had seen the prophet Elisha kind of passing by her town, her area a lot. So she decided to build a room, an upper room, the Bible said, in her house for the prophet. So the prophet was so excited about it and said, you know what? 
I'm going, I'm looking for a way to bless this woman. So notice that the woman didn't have any children and her husband was of old age. So the prophet said, by this time next year, you're going to have a child. And she was a little bit skeptical because sometimes when you see something or hear something that sounds far-fetched, you're like, is this for real? So she had a healthy dose of skepticism, but true to the prophet's word, true to the word of God, it came to pass. Which lets me tell you that no matter what the Lord said to you, it will come to pass. I know you're skeptical about it, but he said it. He confirmed it in his word. It's going to come to pass in Jesus' name. So sure enough, she gets this child. And I can only imagine her affections for him. I can imagine every time she saw him, she was just overcome, grateful by her son. Like this is her miracle. I can imagine her the night before just tucking him to bed, even though he was getting a little bit big. Because parents, they do the most sometimes, right? And right before she backed up out of the door, right before she shut the door, I can imagine just looking at him one more time, thankful, grateful. This is her miracle child. She had no idea what tomorrow would bring. A lot of us have no idea what tomorrow will bring. Early on the next morning, it says that the boy went to the field and started complaining of a headache. So it says that by noon, he died. You know, these verses, they're so short in the Bible. But it was probably the meanest hour of eternity for her. To have your son die on your lap. I can't fathom that. That's a lot. You know, a lot of us, we've had the unexpected happen to us. Maybe it was the untimely passing of a loved one. But a lot of us have things that have blindsided us just a month before. Just the day before, everything was copacetic. It was cool. It was fine. Not all of a sudden this, out of nowhere. I'm tired of this message. I didn't see this coming. Why? Because in life, we're not going to see everything coming. We could be minding our business. We could be tithing. We can be doing our part, driving the speed limit, everybody. In Jesus' name, we are people that drive the speed limit, right? And a deer is going to come out. A text message is going to come. A diagnosis. Something's going to happen. But we have to understand that our God is still in control. He is still in control. This, um, in the series, we've been talking about how um, spiritual maturity, Pastor Stephen, he, he defined it really well. He said, spiritual maturity is our propensity to respond to situations of life in a Christ-like manner. I'd like to add to that, that spiritual maturity is also indicated by the gravity of a situation it takes to snatch us out of trusting God. For some of us, it just takes that person, you know who that person is, to look at you a certain type of way, to say something, and you're looking to lay hands on them. And it's not to pray for them. Some of you, it's your finances. Something happens to your finances and oh my goodness, you just lost everything. For some of you, it's a relationship fails. Homeboy breaks up with you. And you know his breath stinks even behind the mask. And all of a sudden, for someone's breath stinks even with a mask on, now you know. And all of a sudden, it's unexpected because you were on your way to marriage, right? All of a sudden, 
service. Idola, idola, lamna shabbatnai. That's some really bad Hebrew, but caught off guard and feeling as if our Lord left us and forsook us. It's not the case. This woman, everybody, she had her son die in a matter of hours. And it still didn't snatch her out of faith in God. That's the spiritual maturity I long for. That's the spiritual maturity I want for this house. That no matter what happens, that we're still in this position of faith, still in a position of trust in our God. I don't watch a lot of TV, but there's one show that I really enjoy. And it follows um, a group of elite Navy SEALers. And shout out to all those in the military. Thank you for your service. It, yes, we can give a hand clap. No one ever understands the sacrifice. But thank you. Thank you. But it follows a group of elite Navy SEALers. And, um, I mean, they're into these high-stakes, international, clandestine just operations. I mean, they, they're saving the world one mission at a time, it seems. And oftentimes for one mission, they will train for months just for one mission, going through all these different scenarios. What happens if there's 12 insurgents instead of one? What happens if there are children around? How do we make adjustments? What happens if the door that we need to go through is rigged with a bomb? Like all of these um, scenarios they go through and they train sometimes for months because they know that when they go into the field that they can't predict what happens. But they know that, they have, that they're the best in the world, one, and they have trained for it. Can I say something a little bit difficult? You're still going to love me at the end, I promise. A lot of us, we have these amazing time in God's presence, right? We sing, we worship, like we love the Lord, we really do. But it seems that something gets lost in translation with how we handle situations that we didn't predict. What happened? You were just in the presence of God. And in his presence, he was, he was pruning you. He was refining you. He is reminding you that he's in control. And then all of a sudden, this thing comes that you didn't see coming. And all of a sudden, you're questioning him, asking, is he faithful? You're responding in a carnal way. Tell you, I've been there before. But again, this woman, it said that unexpectedly her son died and she didn't waver. We're going to dig into her story a little bit, and we're going to just learn about how to respond to the things in life that we don't see coming, because let me tell you, a lot of things we're just not going to see coming. So if you're taking notes, write this down, because you love Jesus. <clears throat> you got to just heap a little bit of condemnation in there. But write this down. It's prepare in advance. Prepare in advance. Anybody remember um, pop quizzes? Y'all remember pop quizzes? I'm not sure now age if they even give pop quizzes in school with Zoom and all that stuff. I'm not sure. But I have a theory. I think pop quizzes were given by teachers that didn't like their students or they just didn't like their jobs. And they like to do stuff to keep it entertaining. I could be wrong. But the only way to pass a pop quiz is to prepare for it before it comes. Crisis can be like a pop quiz. Coming out of nowhere. Once you're in the middle of it, it's too late to prepare, isn't it? But the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, the Amplified Version, it says, Be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. That enemy of yours, we have an enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone 
to devour. We don't know when the test is going to come, but we know it is coming. We don't know when the pop quizzes of life are going to come. But let me tell you, it is coming. Well, that's very encouraging. No, it's truthful. And I really want you to be encouraged to know that we may not know when the tests of life are going to come. But they are coming. And we need to be well-balanced. We need to be um, self-disciplined. The Bible says to be sober, not anxious. God does not give us anxiety. That fear is demonic. It is not of the Lord. It is not of the Lord. But to be sober, to know that deer sometimes is going to jump up out of nowhere. Emails are going to come. Text messages, foreclosure, different things that we don't like, that we don't anticipate, they're going to come. I don't think anyone can ever fully prepare for a child passing away. I really don't. Yet the opening text says that she laid her son in the, on, on the bed in the room that she had prepared, the room for the prophet. Listen, that room just wasn't for Elisha. That room was for the presence of God that was with Elisha. That room, another version says the upper room. That upper room was for the miracles of God that was with Elisha. That room was for the living God. It says that she prepared in advance this upper room. She had no idea that she would need this room for a miracle for her child years later. But it says that she prepared in advance this room. Question for you. Do you have a room? Do you have an upper room in your life? A place where you can go, where you can contend for the miracles of God, where you're comfortable just being with the presence of God. Do you have a room? You know, I used to be jealous. My husband used to say that when he was growing up, he would just uh, come to the church and he would just bang out on the keys. Just This was his room, just crying out to the Lord. Just comfortable with them. Some of us, we can't sneak into a church. Don't sneak into the church, by the way. Oh, be zealous. No, 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 don't. Okay. <laughs> but I realized, wait a minute. I mean, I don't do that. You can't do that here. But you can do that in your context. For me, my room is my closet. I go to my closet and I just, I just veg out. And my closet, you can't tell me I'm not Erica. You know, with all the braids swinging and everything. I sound just like Mandela. A Corey, oh my goodness. I go for all the runs. Thank you, Jesus. I will sing to you, but you don't have ears to hear. But I'm worshiping my Lord. I have a playlist. I'm contending for miracles. I'm setting the stage. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. But I know if anything were to pop off, I know where to go. When things happen that you don't see, do you have an upper room that you can go to? The Bible says the king Hezekiah, that he, he had this report of his enemies coming. You know what he did? He brought the report and brought it to the presence of God and laid it down. Yeah. Whose report shall I believe? The report of the Lord. Where do you bring reports, diagnoses? Where do you bring things to the Lord? Do you have a room, everybody, that you can bring your crisis to? Pop quiz, what happened in the upper room? Upper room in the Bible, all you Bible scholars. The upper room, online, what happened? What happened? That was so hood, what happened? No. <laughs> but what happened in the upper room? Oh, some people know Bible here. This, the upper room, it's the 
It's where they had their last supper. Come on. Where Jesus had the last supper with his disciples. Where he broke the bread, representing his body. Where he poured the wine, representing his blood. The upper room is also where the um, disciples were gathered after Jesus died. Where they waited until they received the Holy Spirit. The upper room is our lives, the place that we can just be with Jesus. Where we can experience his life and his power. That's why it's so important. I don't want to bring any type of condemnation. That's not what this message is. But I want us to be a lot more intentional because sometimes we're just a little bit too cavalier with it. Jesus is my homie. I understand that. I, Jesus is cool. He's calm. He's not a drill sergeant or anything. But he's still the king of kings and the lord of lords. He still deserves a place that we reverence him. Prepare an upper room. Be intentional about just the disciplines. Read your Bible. Sometimes I miss a day. Sometimes, can I tell you? I miss two days. Oh, the pastor. I do. But when that happens, I'm not going to let condemnation get me from missing a third day. Some of us have missed all years. Hello? And you've allowed all of that to keep you from going back and, no. Go back. Build that room. Pastor Stephen, he loves numbers and hates language arts. I'm the exact opposite. I love language arts and just English and all that and money. Um, not that I don't like money, but I was not the best with numbers back in the day, balancing different things. I, the only thing I understand about numbers are sales. <laughs> That's a good deal. You should buy it. 50% off. They're giving it to you for free. You should definitely. You should definitely. That's all you need to know, right? So I'll tell you, I used to um, work a lot, but I wasn't, again, great with money. This is way back in the way back, mind you. And I was a waitress, so I would have, and you, so you deal with a lot of cash. So I would have aprons full of cash that wouldn't just make the deposits into the bank. But I would confidently go to the mall because a sale was happening. And I would confidently go to the cashier. Derek? Yes, Derek. I see your name tag. It says Derek. I'd like to add this to it, too. I mean, just, just buying whatever I want. And Derek would say in his ever so gentle way, um, excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me. It, it doesn't look like the card is working. No. Uh, uh. Okay, well, you know, I didn't really like it anyway. So. <laughs> leave. No, my card was working. There was just nothing in there. Because homegirl didn't make the deposit. I would have literally aprons full of just money that I just did not deposit. Let me say this. Life will make withdrawals from us. Unexpected ones. A lot of us, we have nothing in our account our spiritual account, because we're not preparing in advance. We're missing times in the upper room. You know what's happening in the upper room? Again, receiving the life of Jesus, receiving the power of Jesus. He's making deposits, big deposits into our spirit. An improper response to a crisis is an overdraft of our spiritual input. You are angry right now, upset right now, caught off guard, feeling bankrupt, but you never took the time to, to allow him to make the deposit. We didn't take the time. 
and now this thing that was so small is now the biggest thing in our lives or this thing that was really serious is now crippling us. What do we need to do? We need to prepare in advance because crisis is coming. And listen, I don't know, it might be you right now feeling bankrupt right now. And I just want to say our God is a generous God. He wants to deposit inside of you. It happens, of course, Sunday after Sunday, but it's not enough. It's just not enough in this world that we live in, this crazy world that we live in. It's just not enough. And he wants to make these deposits so that we are equipped when something happens. The second thing is watch your words. Watch your words. Can anyone say that they used to have a pirate's mouth? You know what a pirate's mouth is? Or a potty mouth? Again, I said I love, um, <laughs> I love language. And back in the day, before, B.C. days, B.C., remember, B.C., before Christ days, I used to have just the biggest part. I was so slick with it. It was like, it was creative for me. Cursing people out left and right for no reason. Well, they gave me a reason. It wasn't a godly reason, though. Don't laugh. That's some of you right now. But the Lord is still working. <laughs> I never understood that words matter. Creation power is given to the believer. The Bible says that God created with words. Out of darkness, he said, let there be light. And there was, and there was light. A lot of us have made dark situations in our lives. And we have the ability to speak life. To speak life in the dark, deathly situations around us. This woman, it was probably a dark time. For your son to be dying on your lap? As a parent, what, what's going through your mind? She, doesn't, she didn't have to be a nurse to understand that her, the pulse was getting weak. That there was a cold sweat. And now all of a sudden there's a cold body in your arms. Oof. Yeah, what did she say? All is well? Hebrew word for, word for shalom? Meaning peace, total and complete peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. That's what she said when her world was literally crumbling. She could have said, God failed me. She could have said, God, how could you? She could have said nothing. But she said, all is well. I think some of us, we experience code blues in our lives, and we say everything wrong. I know I do sometimes. But this woman, she, she said all is well. Was she lying? No, she was prophesying. She knew just because her son died didn't mean the promise of God died too. Could it be that we finish things with our words that God only put on pause? With our words, we say, this is final, this is permanent. When the whole time God just said, it's on pause. I think of Lazarus. When Jesus said about him before he went to him, said that Lazarus was only sleeping. Do you remember that? He said, Lazarus is just sleeping. No, Lazarus was dead. But Jesus said, Lazarus is just sleeping. Because Jesus knew that Lazarus was going to stay dead. Could it be that sometimes we just stamp it, say it's dead? It's gone. It's not going to happen anymore. God failed me. When God is saying, no, it's just sleeping. 
I am the resurrection and I am the life. It's not over until I say it's over. Some of us, I think we're just a little too negative. And the thing is, we're not even in crisis. <laughs> we're not even in crisis. We are not in crisis. Negative about the weather. Negative about Trump. Negative about Biden. Negative about every, like you can't talk politics, by the way. Negative about your weight. Negative about your hair. Negative about your family. Negative about your job. Just negative, negative, negative. We're just negative. We are. You know, I run, and when I'm trying to PR, personal record, like with a lot of miles for the month, what I do is I'm, I'm heightenedly aware of my Nike running app. Like heightenedly, if I go to anything, I'm making sure that it's on because I know it's tracking my miles. You know, some of you, when you have challenges at work with how many steps, you know, um, for the month or whatever, you, you're checking your Fitbit, making sure is this thing working because it's tracking everything because it's taking you towards your goal. I wonder if we had an app that tracked all of our negative words. I just wonder to see how, how far will we go. Some of us non-runners will be running marathons because we are negative about everything. And so when the unexpected happens, it's hard to flip the switch to say all of a sudden, I'm going to speak life over this thing. You don't know how. We don't know how. We're cursing our situations. We don't know how. I know there's some other people, because we're some extremists here. You're always speaking life. Sometimes it sounds like you're a little crazy. And speak life. This woman, she didn't just speak life. She didn't just prophesy all as well. She did something about it. Which takes me to the third point, which is fight for it. Fight for it. Fight for it. I map quested Shunem, where the woman lived, to Mount Carmel, where she was going. It said it was 53 minutes. Well, clearly, it didn't take 53 minutes back then. So I looked up, and the theologian said it took about five to six hours to get to Mount Carmel. So five to six hours to get there, and then five to six hours to get back. Can you imagine this woman? Her son just died, and she's going for five to six hours to Mount Carmel. How many times did she say all is well? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Sometimes we have to say it over and over and over again. But not just say it. She took step after step after step of faith. Going to the Mount, going to Mount Carmel. Going to get the prophet. You know, it's easy to watch our words when the journey is short, isn't it? For five to six hours, that's nothing for someone. I mean, short is relative. For her, it could have been forever. It really could have been forever. Because, you know, you can be hopeful. You can speak words of life when it's just seven months after the, um, the unexpected job loss. What happens on the eighth month? Because seven is the number of completion. So by seven, it's going to happen, right? And it doesn't. What are you saying then? Well, it's two years after the first negative... Um, negative pregnancy test, and you're still trying to conceive. What are you saying then? Let me tell you, say all is well. Complete and total peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. She fought step by step after step after step after step. Steps of faith to get to where she needed to go. Now she gets Elisha. Elisha gets to the house. Can you imagine the scene? 
the husband, the reapers, the servant, they're all aware that all is not well right now because the man of God has come. There's so much going on. Elisha forgets all that, goes to the upper room, shuts everything out. Again, sometimes when things are going on, you just need to shut everything out and just be with you and the Lord. So Elisha is now with the boy, the dead boy. And he begins to what? Fight for his life. Says that he's praying. He's praying. He's pacing. He's pacing. He's pacing. He's pacing. He prays. And then he stretches himself over it. It says the, the body became warm. Some of us would stop there. We're praying. We're pacing. We're fasting. And things get warm. It's warm, but it's not on fire yet. This is for someone to keep going, to keep fasting, to keep believing big. It says, that, okay, the body is warm. Okay, the body is warm. Your marriage is warm. Okay, your kids, they're not it's completely ratchet, but they still have tendencies. Okay, keep praying. <laughs> keep praying. He's pacing. He's pacing. He's pacing. Stretches himself again. Sounds weird. Sounds crazy, but it's only crazy if it doesn't work. Did it work? It said that the boy sneezed seven times. Seven times. If you were the parent, where are your ears? You're not in the room, so you're standing outside of it. Where are your ears? They're glued to that door, aren't they? Do you think this parent, like, do you think that they heard the first sneeze? Do you think a mom knows her, her baby sneeze? Her miracle child sneezed. I believe she heard the first one. And she began to fight for it. What was she fighting for? Her hope. Sneezed seven times. With every sneeze, her hopes just continues to grow. I do believe that there's situations in life where things are going to be out of her control. We can't control things. Sometimes it seems like we're standing outside of the room. You're going to be outside of the room. Things sometimes, it's only God can breathe on this. Only God can. But our responsibility is to fight for that hope. I do believe God's going to give us just examples, like sneezes of sorts, that he's working. Sneezes that he's working. I'm praying that he gives you eyes to see that he's working. That he's working. He's working. He's working. Your job is just to stay close. You can't control that situation, but you can stay close and you can guard your heart. You can guard your heart. The Bible says in Daniel 10, it says, then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first time you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I came in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days... The spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. You know the first time you begin to pray about something, you know that the Lord heard, right? The unexpected happens, though, because we have a real enemy who really wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Again, some of us, we get it really twisted and think that the devil is just this cute little red thing from Party City with a plastic pitchfork. We do. So much that we forget when bad things happen, we blame it on God. But he caused it. No, he's good. 
So when you pray, there was an answer. He dispatched angels on your behalf. A command was given. But there is this thing called warfare that keeps the things, keeps bad things happening and keeps the response to the bad things from happening too. So we have to understand that God, hear me, he heard you. The enemy makes things happen, bad things happen. And here's the thing. The Bible says that hoping in God does not disappoint, right? So what's disappointing us? It's time. It's time that's disappointing us. You thought it would have happened by now. You thought it should have happened by now. So you're disappointed not with God, but you're disappointed by time. Here's the thing. Last time I checked, time was not our God. Did you hear me? Time is not our God. God uses time. He works with time. He makes things beautiful in time. But time is not our God. It is not our God. We are disappointed by the things of life. How could this happen? We live in a fallen world. And I think sometimes that's not good enough for some people, but God could have. He did. He gave us Jesus. So before the problem, there was an answer. His name is Jesus. So when the unexpected happens, our goal is just to fight for our hope. To know that God is still working. I've been praying for you that you would feel hope today. That you would feel hope today. That it just wouldn't be in my voice, but you would online, right where you are, whenever you're watching this, that you would feel the hope of God. This hope that does not disappoint. That he is faithful. That he is true. That if he said it, it will come to pass. That it doesn't matter how long that you have waited, that he is going to make it beautiful in time. Because our God does not disappoint, everybody. The Bible says that when our hope grows, it says in Romans 5, 5, it says then when that happens, we are able to hold our heads high no matter what happens and know that, read this with me, and know that what? I don't know, say it for the people in the back. All is well. For we know how dearly God loves us and we feel his warm love everywhere within us because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. God so loved us that in response to the unexpected in our lives, he's given us Jesus. I know the situation is complicated, but God had a simple answer. It's Jesus. And here's the thing. Jesus, he's attracted to dead things. He's not caught off guard by him. He's not storms, text messages, diagnoses, car accidents with stupid deer. Did I say I hate deer? <laughs> He's attracted to it. There's a story in Luke 7 about a widow um, burying her only son. It was a funeral procession. Jesus made it so that he could encounter this woman. He could have... He didn't have to be there. But he made it so that he could see this woman. It says that um, 
let's go back. Imagine you're, you're a widow. You're burying your only son. So that means you don't have a husband because they died. I'm not sure if that was expected or unexpected. But it probably took her breath away. And now her son was dead too. <laughs> Oof. I've always identified with this story. You know, there's, I can't imagine this, the, well, I can imagine the pain that this woman felt. Have you been there? Loss after loss? One thing happens unexpected. And then another thing happens on top of that. She lost her husband, then she lost her only son too. Jesus. Yes, Jesus. The Bible says in Luke 7, 13, it says when the Lord saw her, that the Lord saw her experiencing the unexpected. It said that the Lord saw her. And when the Lord saw her, it said that his heart went out to her. Another version said that he had compassion on her. And he said, don't cry. Let me tell you, we may not see the unexpected happening in our lives, but God sees us. And that is the difference. Unexpected things are going to happen. They're a factor of life. I wish I could say, you know, you're going to be blessed. And you are going to be blessed. You're blessed people. I wish I could say nothing ever is going to, it's going to come, come, come your way. Nothing bad. No deer is going to try to jump you with their cousin. I wish I could say you're going to get married in two months. Like, I wish I, I wish I could say you're going to win the lottery. I wish I could say all these really, really great things are going to happen. You're going to get promoted tomorrow. I wish I could say all of that. But what I will say is that sometimes bad things happen. The trials happen. But we take heart. Because Christ is overcoming and he lives within us. And when the unexpected happens, when we're feeling overwhelmed and all that, we have to know that it did not catch God off guard. He is all-knowing. And he is a good God. And here's the thing. He sees us in the midst of it. And he always makes it better. That woman, the widow in Luke 7, experienced a resurrection of life with her son. The beginning, opening woman, she experienced a resurrection with her son. Some of us have dead things in our lives, and I'm saying in Jesus' name, you're going to experience a resurrection of that. In Jesus' name, you're going to experience a resurrection. There is something that's very dead right now. It seems hopeless. But in Jesus' name, our God, he's the resurrection and he is the life. And in Jesus' name, you're going to experience a resurrection. And it's going to be your hope and then much more. Does somebody believe that today? Does somebody receive that today? Preemptively, let's give him a hand clap. Wherever you are online, let's just give him a hand clap. Let's just tell him thank you. We may not know what tomorrow looks like, but we know the God who does. And he is faithful. And he is awesome. And he sees us. And that means it works out in Jesus' name. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for seeing us. Oh, God, you see us. You see us. You see the struggle. You see the consistency. 
see the bankruptcy, God. You see it all. And your response was Jesus. God, I pray for everyone underneath the sound of my voice. Lord, let them hear it for themselves today that you see them. And right now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you can repeat this prayer after me, say, Lord Jesus, what are you saying to me? Allow him to speak to you. Allow him to make this message personal for you. For some of you, he's just prompting you to prepare the room. Prepare the upper room. You've been too cavalier with it. Not condemning or anything. He's saying, make time with me. Oh, I want to make deposits in you. Just make time. Make time. Schedule it. For some of you right now, if you're being honest, you, you've shut the door. Shut the door to your faith. Shut the door in front of God. Maybe intentionally, maybe not intentionally. But if you were to be honest, you just feel disconnected with the Lord. Talking about hope. You don't know what hope is. Everything is on your shoulder. And you're feeling the weight of the world. But right now you feel someone knocking. And let me tell you, that's the Lord saying he wants you. He wants a relationship with you. He's not mad. He's not disappointed. He wants you. He wants you. And if that's you that wants a relationship with the Lord or wants to, a fresh start with your relationship with the Lord, it'll be my honor to pray for you. I'm not going to have you stand up or anything like that where you are, online, in person. If you can just repeat this prayer with me in church, out of encouragement, let's repeat this prayer for those saying it for the first time. Say, Lord Jesus, in this moment, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus for, to die on the cross for my sins. God, I ask that you come in, lead me, and I will follow you. And God, thank you for what's next. It is well. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.